stream. We are dreamed into existence. What we do with that dream is up to us. Come a little bit closer, hear what I have to say. Just like children sleeping, we could dream this night itself through the how. Hey everyone, it is June 5th, 2018, and this is stream six. This stream is coming hot off the press. It's one of those early mornings where uh, this stream was coming through as I woke up. And so here I am um, getting ready to share it with all of you. So today I want to talk about psychological splitting and how we see it in our birth charts. So first let me define what psychological splitting is and then I wanna give different examples of how we can begin to see this in the birth chart. So psychological splitting is um, a very common defense mechanism. All of us do it. Um, it's, it's considered primitive in that um, it's a defense mechanism that begins very early in life and early childhood, um, you can start to see it, you know, around the age of two or three. And essentially what it is, is psychological splitting is also called black and white thinking or um, all or nothing thinking. So the tendency is to see only the positive in a person or only the negative in the person instead of being able to see them as a more coherent whole that carries both positive and negative or good and bad qualities. And the way that splitting happens is that there also can be um, where we see ourselves as all good and the other person as all bad, or we see ourselves as right and they're wrong, or vice versa, we see ourselves as wrong and they're right. Um, so the splitting can happen between us and someone else, or it can happen where when we're looking at someone else, we either see them in an all positive light or an all negative light. So psychological splitting um, is something that we do in order to protect ourselves, right? So that's what defense mechanisms are, is they help us um, secure our sense of self and our identity. So whatever it is that gives us our sense of self, 
gives us our identity. We attach ideas and stories to that in order to feel um, secure, safe, and really um, operating within a worldview that's um, coherent, that's cohesive. Uh, So early in childhood, it's not uncommon to see at the at psychological splitting is um, the root is shame. So when, for example, a young child is um, being neglected in some way by the parent or parents, the tendency for the child in order to survive is to see the parents as good and the child as bad. And so the child has to make themselves bad because it's actually more threatening to their survival if they have to see the parents in a bad way because the child is dependent on the parents for food and shelter. And because the child cannot live without their caretaker, if the parent is abusive, Um, physically, emotionally, if there's neglect, if the parents are absent a lot, if the parents aren't um, emotionally available for the child and to be attuned to the child, then the child will obviously recognize this and feel this as the sensitive beings that we all are and that children are. And the child will say, okay, it must be my fault. There's something wrong with me. I'm bad. I've done something wrong. Um, you know, I'm a bad person and that's what shame is, right? I'm, I'm bad. I'm wrong in my core. And that's why mommy and daddy, um, is, is being like this. That's why they're not around. That's why they're drinking. That's why, um, they don't pay attention to me. That's why they don't listen to me. That's why, you know, and of course those aren't conscious thoughts, but it's, it's what's being, um, internalized by, the young child. And so um, this carries on throughout our life, this defense mechanism that again, we all do. It's very common. It's very normal. And a reason why I think it's probably so present in my consciousness right now is because if there was any one astrological correlative that connects to the phenomenon of psychological splitting, it would be the Saturn-Pluto alignment. So right now, Saturn and Pluto are in a 13 and a half degree conjunction in Capricorn, and we've entered into that collective time period um, where this world transit is happening from 2018 to 2021. We're at the beginning of it. So the archetypal waveform is coming in, and psychological splitting Um, really can be seen in this astrological complex of Saturn-Pluto. So we obviously don't need to have Saturn-Pluto be born with it in our chart um, to do psychological splitting. But it is fascinating to me that the different um, psychological tendencies and dispositions, we can find astrological um, correlatives too. So like, for example, mania. Mania is very much a product of a Jupiter-Uranus combination. But, of course, one can have mania um, to varying degrees without actually having that aspect in their natal chart. So 
when I say that psychological splitting relates to the Saturn-Pluto, I'm just saying that we can see these psychological functions um, in planetary combinations and the understanding of those planetary archetypes and combination without actually having to have them in the chart. And that is because there um, are things that transcend uh, the chart uh, in our lives. Because we're human, we each carry certain archetypal um, complexes within us. So every human being does psychological splitting. Every human being can have anxiety. Every human being can have grief. Now, grief really relates to Saturn, and particularly Saturn-Neptune. So since all of us have all of the planets inside of us, and in our chart, we're all born with the same planetary archetypes. Every human being is born with all of these psychological um, archetypes or complexes. So there are things that transcend the actual chart and combinations that are um, universal to being a human being on planet Earth. And psychological splitting is one of them. Um, just like projection is another one, right? That's another psychological function. Every single person participates in projection, projecting onto others, others projecting onto you. But projection specifically relates to Neptune, particularly when we get Neptune in aspect to a personal planet. So um, irrespective of where Neptune is in your chart, we all have Neptune, we all project, we all have Saturn, Pluto, um, somewhere in our chart, even if they're not an aspect, we all um, psychologically split. So I think in another stream, uh, which I'm noticing I say that a lot, <laughs> I will um, go into that. Um, so I'm, I'm so excited. I feel like uh, I'm kind of clearing the pipes after um, over the last several years. There's been a lot of things I wanted to say, and I'm just now feeling able to say them. And so I think these streams are helping me uh, get it all out. So thank you so much for being here with me. I hope um, I hope this ignites some things in you that uh, yeah are unifying in the sense that it allows a deeper acceptance of uh, our humanness. So going back into the psychological splitting and the Saturn Pluto alignment, um, there's a tendency especially during Saturn-Pluto time periods, where that splitting is seen on a more mass level. Pluto relates to the masses. It relates to things that are titanic. You know, it can have this quality of being impersonal and larger than life. And so we can see during the Saturn-Pluto time period a tendency for black and white thinking, good versus evil, to really show up, particularly on the geopolitical level on the world stage. And whether that's, you know, going to war or um, nationalism or racism or sexism, right? This like who's good, who's bad, who's right, who's wrong in this kind of hierarchical in a negative way, um, of a power structure where the people at the top that are seen as good um, are given the power and the people at the bottom who are seen as bad are dehumanized. And so we can see in the psychological splitting this tendency to dehumanize the other, whether that's a single person or a class of people or a whole nation um, or 
an alien species, right? So it's very normal for us to do us versus them. We go back to tribal society. Um, we see that you know, the, the tribes have fighting between one another and you extend that and it, you know, or you go back to clan and it's like families feuding against one another, tribes feuding against one another, territory wars, resource wars. And this is also seen with the Saturn Pluto and that Pluto has to do with resources and power and Saturn can be the boundary and it can be the line that's drawn. Um, so <clears throat> there can also be a scarcity consciousness that comes along with that, which can be very real. I mean, Pluto is our survival. It's the biological instinct and drive to survive. And when there actually genuinely is a lack of water or a lack of resources in a given area, then people are usually going to fight um, to the end to make sure that they and their family and their loved ones survive. It's a natural human survival function. Well, this continues on. So it goes from clan to tribe um, to nation, right? Nations fighting against each other for power and resources. Who has the oil? Um, who has the goods to import and export? Um, we see this going on, you know, very clearly still today. Um, it can also be about religion, you know, who, who here is claiming the rights to um, the one true God or the true gods or you know, how do we actually um, have religious law and order here? Um, so, you know, uh, Muslims versus Jews, Jews versus Christians, Christians versus Muslim. Um, it can be about ideology um, as much as it can be about physical resources. Um, but then we also see that this can happen between the human species and um, species that are extraterrestrial so we look at the terrestrial world and say okay well we're one we're one world we're one planet um we all inhabit it inhabit earth so anything outside of earth is alien and it's you know extraterrestrial it's alien and usually there is a certain level of fear there so the other the unknown the one that is different there's usually some sense of fear there and this is really important because this happens at every level of consciousness from the most micro to the most macro. And so as we, be, as we begin to discover more and more extraterrestrial life, whether that's in our solar system or other solar systems and galaxies, we'll see the same psychological splitting that we saw within the clan or the tribe, um, the othering that takes place. And so we want to be really careful of that because anything can be alien, right? Whatever we are identified with is the self and anything other, whatever that is, is considered alien. And that can be taken um, all the way up to the most macro level. Now, one last thing I want to say about that, and then I'll get into examples with the chart, is that we do that very thing <clears throat> intrapsychically. So it's not just... Um, I'm good and the other's bad, or my tribe is good and the other tribe is bad, but it also happens internally. And so we can look at internal family systems here and begin to see, oh, wow, there are parts in my own self that I identify with as being good and favorable, positive qualities, and then there are parts of myself that I see as being bad and wrong. And this is usually what we call um, light and shadow. 
right? It's like the light side is the side that we want to show the world, that we want others to see in us as favorable qualities. You know, I'm smart. Um, I'm beautiful. Um, I'm uh, very um, sociable, personable. You know, these are my good qualities that people like in me and that I've developed. Um, but, you know, I don't like it that I feel insecure. I don't like it when I feel shame. I don't like it when I feel jealous. I don't like it when I feel dumb. These are the shadow qualities. These are the things I'd rather not be identified with and not have other people see in me or think of me when they, when they see me. And so the splitting begins to happen in our own psyche. And again, we all do this. It's very normal. And depending on... Um, what um, family we're brought up in and what culture we're brought up in, those positive attributes shift. So it has a lot to do with the society that we're in, what they deem as good qualities and bad qualities, what's moral, what's immoral. Um, and that's always shifting and changing, right? Depending on what time we're born into, what family we're born into. But the fact is, is that we all do this, right? So light and shadow, good and bad. It's part of a continuum. And within that, there's varying degrees of splitting. And so the more psychologically guarded we are, um, the more split we are. Um, and the more that we have a fluid sense of self and identity and recognizing that not only are we always in flux and changing, growing, shifting, but that, um, yes, we also have all these different parts of self. And we can begin to see these different parts of self, of aspects of our being as sub-personalities. So, um, you know, the part of me that is really extroverted is a, is a certain part of my personality, but so is the part of me that's really sensitive. And then the part of me that's very intellectual and academic, but then there's also the part of me that's very feeling-based. So these are sub-personalities. So what happens is, is when we begin to look at the birth chart, we can see um, psychological splitting um, happening. So we, th there's no one way to say, oh yes, this person splits here and like this. But I can give you some general guidelines to look at in your own chart to begin to see where might there be a tendency to split to other in yourself and um, interpersonally out in the world. So for example, um, it's, it's quite common for us to split around our ascendant and our descendant. So the ascendant, the the um, rising sign is the moment to moment experience of ourself and of the world. It's, it's the way we move through the world each moment. It is the kind of initial energy that we bring into a new experience, a new um, setting, a new group of people. And it has a lot to do with our persona. So in the Jungian sense, that kind of mask that we wear and show to the world. And we're usually pretty identified with it. Um, whether or not we think it's good or bad, we're usually pretty identified with our ascendant. And it's both the sign. So for example, if you are Sagittarius rising, then you're going to often be pretty identified with um, being oriented towards a larger vision, a meta perspective, um, 
a philosophical, worldly approach to life, um, really oftentimes enjoying other cultures and travel, um, reading. It has this worldly quality. Um, and so that also has a lot to do with religion and spirituality, but these like cosmologies essentially. Um, and there's just this strong kind of fiery impulse toward adventure and ever expanding one's horizons. And so there's going to be a strong tendency to be identified with that quality and to move through in the world in that way and for others to perceive you as having those attributes. Whereas if you are Sag rising, then your descendant's going to be Gemini. And the tendency there is to be less identified with the Gemini qualities and to experience that as both other, so other people in your life carrying the Gemini energy for you. That's what happens when we split inside of ourself is it's not just that that um, part that we cut off from who we are is an inferior function that's less developed or that we repress or that we hide from the world or even from ourselves if we don't let ourselves go there even in our private thoughts, but that then other people in our life carry that energy for us. So the the energy has to go somewhere. It doesn't just disappear. And so whatever is the inferior function or the repressed function or functions in our being, we often have more than one, um, other people in our life tend to carry that energy for us. So I want to first start with, okay, if Gemini is on the descendant, then the tendency there is that it can be more difficult to get focused and to really um, stay with one idea. So the Sag energy is a kind of um, jack of all trades. It's someone who's done a lot of different things in their life, has had a lot of different interests and hobbies, and, you know, really, you know, oftentimes you see them kind of... um, living in a lot of different cultures like literally like traveling living in different countries but also like having lots of different identities and different subcultures so maybe for example they have an identity as a tech in the tech world and in the gaming world but then they also have an identity in the art world and then they have another identity um you know where they lived in italy for many years and they speak italian and then they have another identity um at home with their family. So there's like a lot of different senses of self and identities kind of across the board. And the difficulty there with the Gemini and the Descendant is that it can be hard to get focused and to really hone in on a specific identity or like a specific trade. And so um, it can feel hard to choose to go in one direction in life and sometimes we need to do that and so it can feel very foreign very othered and that's usually what we see is when we split the thing we don't identify with feels very foreign and then we can have different value judgments onto that foreignness so that foreignness can just simply feel mysterious it can feel hidden it can be a blind spot or just genuinely ignorant of it, like we do not see it. Um, It can be in our unconscious, again, just like really we're not aware, we're not conscious of it. Um, Or 
it can we can have a judge judgment on it that it's bad or it's wrong like oh that way of being is not the right way um that's bad or it can feel just really uncomfortable like wow i have no experience with that energy i really don't understand it um and or now that's all kind of more of the intrapsychic versions of the splitting what happens when it, it becomes interpersonal and other people in our life are carrying it is like wow i really notice that i'm surrounded by a lot of gemini's or i really notice i'm surrounded by people who are really identified with their ideas and that they have really strong ideas and strong opinions and they you know they write a lot or they speak a lot in a way that's very um kind of direct and concise and put together whereas i wish i could do that um but i don't know how or wow i just have no experience doing that and so our inferior repressed function then being drawn in from the outside world which is what the descendants function is it's the relational field it's the field of energy that we bring in from the other from the outside world and it's how we get to know that part of ourselves is through relationships and so at first other people carry that gemini energy but if we want to move into a more balanced place in our life a more whole place a more integrated place essentially then we need to find ways to begin to bring that gemini energy into our own being and so how do we do that we look at the people around us who carry that energy and begin to emulate them right maybe we just at first mimic them like okay what are they doing oh i noticed that you know um they really once they get an idea they really go for it and they they focus in on it instead of having um 10 different projects going on at once i really notice they just choose one project finish it and then move on to the next you know i'm going to try that i'm going to try what's it like just to have one project going and and finish it before um you know agreeing to collaborate with this person on this other really big project which is the sagittarian tendency tendency um or looking at that person be like wow they blog huh they they're really comfortable sharing their opinions with the world hmm okay that's really uncomfortable for me but you know what i maybe i'll try like a mini version of that and i'm going to do a facebook post or um you know i'm going to write a editorial piece or i'm going to you know write write up my opinion on something and send it to friends and just see what they think so we begin to emulate and mimic the person has a model to how to how do we begin to do that thing that they're doing that we um have difficulty doing or just spending time with that person and like get asking them questions about like hi oh, i really notice you're different from me in this way and i'm wondering if you could just share with me like how did you get to be like that and what's that like for you so just becoming more familiar with the otherness in ourselves through the relational field now i had uh, one of you wrote out to me a uh, old student of mine um uh really um caring brilliant man he he wrote to me the other day saying wow you know what it's been a really tough road but i've just finally owned mars on my descendant so we can also have planets there on the descendant and if we have a planet on the descendant the tendency is is that it's more difficult for us 
to own that that is a part of who we are and a necessary part of who we are. And so when we have Mars on the descendant, um, like is actually happening right here now in Sarasota, Florida, Mars is setting over the ocean. Um, it can oftentimes be more difficult for us to own that Mars energy. And so it's harder for us maybe to be assertive and direct and own that more um, masculine tendency to be decisive, to be pointed, um, you know, thinking of, of the phallic energy. It's like, it's so, it's so pointed and strong and, you know, what's carried within that, the seed. So Mars is about planting seeds and um, it's an activating energy. And so we, you know, we need it in order to take action. And so sometimes the person who has Mars on the descendant can initially show up as more passive in their personality or turned more inward or seen as more feminine, you know, not, not as, um, as direct, or maybe they have a hard time owning their courage or owning, um, their own opinions and, 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 and maybe they feel comfortable owning them inside themselves, but they have a hard time letting others see what they really think and feel. And so the Mars and the descendant person, we would see moving into a more integrated space by becoming more direct, um, particularly in relationships. So um, showing up as one saying, hey, this is what I think, and this is what I feel, and this is what I want, and this is what I need, and really owning that, or going out and having the courage to plant the seeds, right? To plant the seeds um, of their vision into the world, into their community, into their relationship, saying, I want this to happen and I'm going to, I'm going to take the risk to not only tell you that, but to actually try and make this happen. And so we see this person becoming increasingly more activated and dynamic, um, in their life. And that can be a very uncomfortable and tough road to do because usually whatever's on the descendant, uh, we have not historically been seen as carrying those qualities. So oftentimes, psychologically, we're not mirrored back that that's who we are, oftentimes from a young age. So we can be seen by our family <clears throat> and by our teachers as having more of the ascendant qualities um, or more of the midheaven qualities, right? More of what's seen in the public eye. And the descendant and the IC is much more hidden or private or elusive. And so we aren't mirrored that back to ourselves, and therefore it's more difficult for us to see, oh, that's who I am, and then to have opportunities to cultivate that part of our being. <clears throat> so, um, you know, I mentioned, I just mentioned here the midheaven and the IC. This is another area that we can see the inferior function of where we psychologically split. split. So the midheaven being um, our career, our vocation, how we're seen in the public domain, the impact that we have on the outer world, you know, whatever sign is there, whatever planets are there, you know, we really make our mark in the world in that way. Whereas the IC um, the bottom of the chart, there's more of a tendency for that to be hidden and to be private. I mean, it has to do with our home life, our ancestry, our family, where we come from, our past. And oftentimes I notice um, that whatever sign is on the IC, 
that tends to be the most foreign place for that person. So, um, for example, if you have Libra on the IC, it can, not always, but it can feel like, wow, I just really don't understand what Libra is about. Like that orientation towards balance and fairness and justice and harmony. Like I just, I don't identify with that. I don't understand how do people do that? You know, I don't understand how people see it from both sides. You know, I feel like I have, um, you know, a really um, kind of more of a decisive sense of self and, you know, I'm, qu I'm quick to jump to my conclusions. I'm very impulsive. When I feel something, I feel it strong and I go for it. So whatever sign or planets are in the IC, it can, it can feel just very hidden or foreign in our own being. But then also there's a tendency to be more guarded around that part of ourself and not as willing to show that to other people or show it out in public, right? It's something that is revealed over time with intimacy. Um, the longer you spend with someone, the more that you'll begin to share that part of your being with them. Um, so other places that we can see this psychological splitting in the chart is we can see it with every combination of planets that we have, like any combination right? It doesn't have to just be Saturn, Pluto can do the splitting. Um, and there's no way to just look at the chart and go, oh yeah, this person splits here. But some air, some ways or tendencies where we begin to split in the chart is, for example, um, like if you take, um, if you take the Venus-Pluto aspects, so we have an exact Venus-Pluto opposition in the sky right now in Cancer and Capricorn. So there can be where there's a splitting with the Venus-Pluto where the person might only identify with the Venus being, you know, filled with love and heart-centered and, um, you know, really striving for harmony and grace and um, being very receptive and caring and, you know, really being seen kind of in a more feminine light. And then they, that person can be split off from the Pluto. So there can be a splitting off from their sexual power or um, from the tendency to feel maybe jealous or envious um, or manipulative or coercive or just like really not owning their um, powerful instincts and their powerful biological drives, whether that's with eating food or... Um, drinking or having sex right because Pluto's like our animal nature and if for whatever reason we were brought up in a family where it was really bad to be plutonic a sexual being and instinctual we can split off from that and say that's not me I don't have those qualities I'm just over here in the more heart chakra energy and what begins to happen is we tend to draw in very plutonic figures into our life who carry this energy that essentially is trying to um, get us to wake up to the fact that, oh no, that's that actually is who part of who I am. And by working with that energy over time in a supportive way, it becomes less threatening. It becomes less scary. But 
that that is difficult to do because not only does it feel so foreign, but it feels taboo. And, you know, that also is a function of Pluto. Um, Pluto being whatever is in the underworld usually has a strong connection to what feels taboo in us. And so what is othered is usually has a feeling of being forbidden. And when it's taboo, we have to work through a lot of oftentimes self-judgment and shame in order to begin to let ourselves even recognize those qualities in ourself, um, you know, let alone feel them. Um, but then there also can be another version of that where maybe the person who's Venus Pluto um, isn't so split, like where they are on the splitting continuum with that isn't so much like they're in the heart chakra energy of love and, um, you know, other people in their life are more in that plutonic, wild, um, primal place, but that, okay, they, they're a little bit more comfortable with their sexuality, um, but you know what's off the table is jealousy. Like, it's unevolved to feel jealous. So that person says, you know what, like, I don't feel jealous. I don't, I don't have to deal with jealousy. But what they begin to see is that, wait, why, why am I attracted to all these people who really experience a lot of jealousy? Like, a lot of my friends or my lovers are really jealous people. And maybe they even direct that jealousy toward you. And it's like, okay, there's something happening there in your field, in your relational field, where that other person is carrying the jealousy. And so it can be an opportunity for us to start to go, hmm, okay, jealousy is a human emotion, a human, you know, quality. Um, let me see. Yeah, you know, maybe I have been jealous before, or maybe I get jealous about these certain type of things. Hmm. Or like exploring, like, what is jealousy? Reading up on it, talking to people about it, maybe making more space to like understanding why people get jealous and what's going on there. So the, we want to always remember that the splitting that we all do is on a continuum. And the more split that we are, you know, the more defended and guarded we are. And then the less split that we are on something, the more fluid we are um, with that quality. So we can apply that to, again, every combination. It, you know, it, it also can show up... Um, with, for example, um, in the last year, I was talking about Moon Saturn. Like, you can see this a lot with Moon Saturn, where one person identify with where the person inside of themselves identifies more with being um, the child who's like innocent and vulnerable and needy, and the outside world as being more Saturnian, authoritative. Um, strict, judging, oppressive, and there can be this fight where it feels like that person um, just isn't strong enough to face the world or um, isn't capable of getting a job or isn't capable of taking care of themselves, that they draw in people into their life, whether that's their father or whether that's um, just you know their partner to take care of them because they feel so vulnerable and so needy that they just can't take care of themselves or you can see the reverse of that where the moon saturn person really identifies with the saturn energy and so they come across as you know really mature and an adult and put together and really responsible and on top of it and they have a more difficult time owning the fact that they have 
needs and at times their inner child is scared or their inner child just needs some love and there can be a splitting of that and then they draw in people into their life that are more lunar that they need to take care of um someone who is you know really needy and needs a lot of attention and time and you know has a hard time taking care of themselves and so the moon saturn person who's identified with saturn ends up taking care of that person and using their energy and time to kind of per um parent them so you know one way that that person could begin to work with that energy is to allow themselves to take time to feel into their inner child and go hmm and i wonder what i'm actually feeling right now like if if i don't have to be the adult in the room right now and i can i can be the child what what am i feeling and that can be a really difficult thing for a moon Saturn person to do if they are guarded Saturn against their inner child, the moon, um, because maybe they had to grow up really quickly or um, they were really valued um, in their family system for being um, very functional and smart and put together. And the other siblings got to be um, dysfunctional or young or, you know, there's so many variations on the theme. So, um, you know, maybe they're the oldest child. And so they had to really take care of their younger siblings and they, you know, had to live into that Saturn responsibility. And so their siblings got to carry the moon and they had to carry the Saturn. And so in order to start to own that um, inferior function that's more repressed, i.e. less developed, that person would want to try to do things with their inner child, like beginning to have a dialogue with them through journaling or beginning to access them through play or beginning to access them through music or beginning to access them through therapy, right? There's all these different ways that we can enter into um, a more connected place with those parts of ourselves that we have split off. Um, and, you know, it's a slow process. We enter into that place slowly, carefully, um, oftentimes with the support of other people. Um, because when it's somewhere that we haven't gone inside of ourselves or haven't gone very often, it's really helpful to have a loving presence there with you um, to be able to explore that place. Okay, um, a lot just got opened up there and I want to continue um, sharing more about psychological splitting and how it's seen in the chart and practical ways to work with it. And I think I'm going to close this particular stream for now. Um, please always feel free to leave a friendly comment, like the video on YouTube, share it with loved ones, and I uh, always love to hear from you. All right, this is stream. And I'm Jessica DeRuzzo. When we were strangers, I watched you from afar. And when we were lovers, I loved you with all my But now
now it's getting late and the moon is climbing high I want to celebrate see it shining in your I'm still in love with you I want to see you dance again Because I'm still in love with you On this harvest moon Because I'm still in love with you I want to see you dance again Because I'm still in love with you on this harvest moon